0: I'd be great if you could open with me to James chapter 4, uh, verse 13, and we'll go into our uh, 5, verse 6. I think that'll be it. I'm going to grab the remote. Right. Uh James chapter 4. Verse 13. Now listen, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your silver and gold are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded up wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvested have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. This is a, quite an intense passage, and we have no actions to go with it, unfortunately, sorry. I don't really know what they'd be, even. Um uh, I wanna start with a story about a good friend of mine who went for a hike once. Uh, he is quite an experienced bushwalker. He loves his full driving and all that. Uh, he went out, mapped a whole three day adventure with a friend. They knew exactly how many kilos were in their packs. They had ropes for abseiling, rock climbing. They had it all. Uh, and then as they were going, a day and a half in, they got lost. They decided rather than just sticking still, they'd, they were pretty good. They could find their way back to the path, uh, but they didn't. They kept looking, got dark. They didn't know what to do, so they uh, used their um, locator beacon and got airlifted out by the police. It turned out, <laughs> as the helicopter went up and took them away, they turned back and realized they were about 50 meters from the path that they wanted to be on. Yeah, it's unfortunate for them and it was quite expensive, but that's okay. You see, there are so many things that we do in life that don't necessarily go the way we want. We plan meticulously every little detail and have expectations of what we want to see happen. But often from our experiences, and anyone who has kids can probably agree to this, when you plan things, things never go to plan. And often we plan things because we want things to go our way. We want things to happen for our own comfort or our own gain. We're trusting in ourselves more than we trust in God at times. And I think our passage in James lays this out for us in two different ways as we see the selfishness that endangers as these people have listened to their own plans rather than God's. And the root issue here is not just acting in a certain way, but it is where the heart is, that their heart is more focused on themselves than on what God wants. And James calls us to listen, to pay attention to these and not merely uh, listen, to change, be doers of the word. And so we need to read this and heed the warning and make sure we are acting as God wants. We're going to look at this this morning uh, in three different sections. We're going to look at the futility of arrogant schemes, the destruction in self-indulgence, and the right way to live In the last days. So let's start with point one. Should have turned it on. Um, Living that futility of arrogant schemes. Look with me again at verse uh, chapter four, verse 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will do this or that go to this or that city, spend a year there and carry on business and make money. While you do not even know what will happen tomorrow, what is your life? It is a mist that vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, it is the Lord's will. See, James starts here with this picture of a person mapping out a trip, a trip with the sole purpose of making money, of expanding their own wealth. It's a little bit foreign to us as we can uh, sit at home and make money, but it's the same as someone who's just focused solely on a life of money. Maybe someone who doesn't make it to church on a Sunday because they'd rather sit on their computer and sell things online. And quickly, James criticizes this by saying, why? Why do you make these big plans? Because you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. You don't even know what tomorrow will bring. You are a
1: mist that vanishes. Nothing is your own.
0: You see, James quickly corrects them from this attitude of doing my own thing to saying you should be doing the Lord's will. You should be seeking the Lord's will. You don't need to plan out years because you don't know what tomorrow will bring. And yet they're boasting. Verse 16 shows us that they boast in their arrogant schemes. And this boasting is evil because the boasting shows that there is no trust in the Lord, but trust only in themselves. They are not listening to that command of if it is the Lord's will. And this is an important thing, and we'll come back to it at the end. You see, so far... It would appear that they've completely forgotten Jesus' commands to give up everything and follow him. As time has gone on, contentment has swept back in. Comfort and wealth have become the priorities over
1: God's own plan. The people are living their own way rather than
0: trusting God's perfect plan.
1: but it's useless, a mist.
0: You see, we might want to feel like this isn't a thing that we struggle with, that we don't go off for years on end trying to make money. But verse 17 helpfully brings this, broadens it up to cover so many different areas. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Maybe you know that you shouldn't swear, but the words just come out so nicely in a sentence, so you go ahead and say it.
1: Maybe it's greed. Maybe it's, focusing on
0: anything that isn't God's preference for our lives, isn't part of his will. We know the good that we ought to do,
1: but we do not do it. We plan out things for our lives and leave God out, seeking wealth, ignoring God.
0: Maybe it's feeling like work won't survive if you aren't there to run everything. And so you skip church thinking you're too busy because everything revolves around me. It's thinking about our current earthly situation rather than eternity. See, it doesn't mean also that we don't, do anything at all that we can just sit back and enjoy the ride. But we must seek God's will. It's there in 15. If it is the Lord's will. We need to be concerned with the things of God. God's desires, God's desires for us. Because they are the things that last. And you see, uh, James in this passage starts here with this broad understanding and makes it really clear in 5 to 6 that there is a large concern to flee from the temporary. And so let's look at the second part self indulgent, the destruction in self indulgent wealth. Let's look at 5 to 6. 5 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moss have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded up wealth in the last days. Uh, This Passage is full of what feels like Old Testament prophetic language, these intense, damning phrases to the people who don't do what is right. And James leaves very little room for imagination. He is very clear of the destruction, the weeping and the wailing that will come. You see, like in verse uh, 13 to 17, where the human plans will fail, the same is here. The earthly possessions are unreliable. They will be rotted. They will fade. They will be eaten. It hints back uh, to the words of Matthew 6, 19. that says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is being so, James is being so clear here not to rely on the temporary, instead, to trust in God. You see, whether or not uh, these people are Christians, they are so far removed from the life that they have been told to live. They are not acting as Christians as they hoard up their wealth on earth, as they rely on their
1: own providence and not God. And it leads to their destruction.
0: You see, the end of their possessions will be the end of them. They testify against them. These good things that they have held on to thinking that will impact and change their life for the better are the very things that will destroy them. Their riches are their downfall. And James doesn't even leave it there because he keeps going in verse 4 to 6. Look. The wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your field are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. This has a bit of a twofold hit, I think, on the people who are building riches. You see, first, the fact that they are not paying their workers and the workers have cried for justice and the Lord has heard. Justice will come. Justice will be delivered. The justice of their destruction, of their downfall. Their time on top is coming to an end. You see, there's a bit of an irony to this because if these rich people had just paid the workers, it would all be done. But their love of money, their love of luxury and
1: self-indulgence has got in the way of them doing what is right. Their greed
0: is their downfall. Their love of money rather than their love of God will be their end. You see, it's important uh, to recognize this isn't all rich people everywhere. But it is when our well-being, our worldliness
1: is more important than our love of God. You see, the love of
0: money has led them to hurt God's people. Verse 6, that they have condemned and murdered the innocent, those innocent workers who are there just to earn a living for their family. The rich people's lack of care is hurting God's people. And he will not stand for this. His judgment will come. As he has heard their
1: cries. See, these people should be seeking to care and
0: love and help those who are below them, but they have misused their wealth. This is not the image of family
1: that we are told to live as the church. Their luxurious and self-indulgent lives will be
0: their demise. They literally are eating and drinking. They are fattening themselves up for their own judgment. They were adding to their failings, living unrestrained lives,
1: following their fleeting desires. You see, what does this mean for us?
0: You See, there are two clear situations here where we are told how not to live, that we should not just listen to our own desires, that we should not be governed by our will, but God's will. And so we need to think through what it means then to live as Christians, to live lives right in the last days. You see, this passage is full of imagery of the last days, of the time before Jesus' return. We see it in verse 14 to 15 as they are told how to live. In 5 verse 3, as it testifies of the last days. And in verse 5, as it says, they are fattening themselves for the day of slaughter. There is a coming judgment. There is a coming end. And this wrong, destructive, selfish life has a bad ending. But how then? do we live seeking God's will? Let's look again at verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I think it's really important uh, that we consider this phrase a bit more as we think about what it is to live right. Because I'm not sure about you, but at times, The phrase God willing can be used a little bit superstitiously. Uh, We we make these plans for how our lives should be, how we want them to be, and we end it with God willing. I would love to travel to England next year, see uh, all the sites, maybe go across to Europe, but God willing, God willing it'll happen. Maybe I really would love a promotion to get a better job at work. Maybe I want to just enjoy retirement,
1: travel around the world, seeing things, God willing.
0: Is that really entrusting our life to God or is that making a plan and hoping God approves? I think I have been hit quite personally by this in the last week. As many of you know, uh, Em and I are looking at going to the Northern Territory next year. And in the last week, the government up there has announced plans to change the laws that would, uh, the anti-discrimination laws that would heavily impact uh, freedom of speech in religion. And I've had doubts. In the last week, I've thought, do I really want to go to a place that's going to be difficult to preach the word? And it comes from the fact that deep inside, I think I'd love to go to a church that just grows because it's really easy. Because I have my hopes,
1: my plans,
0: and I hope that God is going to make them work. That's not really trusting in what God wants, in
1: his plan. It's God willing, he will do what I want. And
0: so I think this passage has a much better way of articulating it. Look there again at verse 15. It says, if it is the Lord's will, if It is the Lord's will. It's not this is what I want and I hope God's will aligns with it. It is if it is God's will. We are not just meant to acknowledge him and hope that our plans match up with his, but we are meant
1: to align to his plans. We should be seeking his will, hoping our lives
0: align to his will, not his to ours. And we do this by reading his word, getting deeper into it and understanding what he wants for us as his children. And at times where our lives don't align to his Maybe it's because we're in the wrong. And so we need to come back to God,
1: to trust him, to acknowledge that we don't always get it right.
0: Not with our fingers crossed saying, please, God,
1: do this, but saying, God, if it is your will,
0: This is truly trusting in his plan, trusting in his providence and his sovereignty. And you see, we can trust because we have a whole Bible of evidence, the track record of redemptive history, of God's promise to bring a saviour, of a saviour coming and of a saviour saving. You see, these these words are not just simple words, not just things to listen to, but things for our lives to be directed by. Because they outline God's deep love for us, his promises to us, and the way that we should live as his children. You see, we don't want to be like the materialistic and rich person Whose plans lead to their demise, we want to be one of God's children,
1: trusting in His plan and in His timing. We want to make sure our hearts
0: are aligning with God's plan. As we put off the old way of life and put on the new. So how do we live? We live not following the arrogant, selfish and self-indulgent life that has been outlined in this verse, but instead living a life of humility, trusting God. Next week, passages uh, goes on to this a bit more. And rather than saying, let's just leave that for next week, I think there's a bit of importance that we need to look at. And so we need to think of words that come from uh, passages that come from uh, other parts of the Bible too. So Corinthians 1, 1 Corinthians 1, 31 says, Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord, because our strength is not our own, but it is in Christ. And Micah 6, 8, which says, He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with your God. To act justly, love mercy and walk humbly with God. That's not the way that the uh, materialistic and rich
1: person were living, but that is the way that we are told to live. a life of seeking God's will, a life humbly following him, to walk
0: and trust and be guided by him, not hoping
1: he follows us, You see,
0: this doesn't rule out good things happening in our life. We are told that life will be difficult, but some uh, may be well off. Some may get their great uh, big holidays around the world. Someone might get that promotion, but the answer isn't how good am I? How great I am that I deserve this. The answer, the response is, how great is God? Thank
1: you, God, for what you have given me. See, despite
0: the issues in our lives and sometimes the joys in our life, there is a greater hope in eternity. And rather than focus on gains now and missing out on the perfection of eternity, where the true joy and true hope is as we're united with Christ. The place where moth and thieves do not destroy. So friends, let us not Be caught up in the riches and schemes of the world, in the things that corrode and fade away. But let let us find our hope, our joy, and guidance in God, in His will for our lives, as we wait patiently for His return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Your Word. We thank you for the ways that you teach us. We pray that you would help us not live lives arrogantly seeking our own desires. But We pray that you would help us to live humbly, to live seeking your will. That we would not hope that what happens is ours, but it would be yours. Help us to ask, Lord,
1: if it is your will. Amen.